0: I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind.
1: They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's
0: always great to be on WTMJ. This is
1: WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. In what's been called one of the worst-kept secrets around, former state senator Dale Koinga has been named the new president of the Milwaukee Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce, which is a 147-year-old private, not-for-profit organization representing about 2,000 member businesses in Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, and Ozaukee counties. And Dale, i got to start with you personally, because you are... Dutch through and through, and you have something very special from your grandfather.
0: Yeah, I have my great grandfather's wooden shoes that he came off of Ellis Island with, so I inherited those. I don't know how I went out. I'm the oldest grandson in good standing.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> in good standing, that's in good interesting. standing
0: is a pretty important caveat, so yeah, I have the wooden shoes still.
1: Oh, why'd you keep them?
0: Well, I'm gonna never get rid of that. I mean, it's family heirloom. But, yeah, it's, it's a, just like any communities stuck together, went to church together and business together in the Jewish community, Italian community. That's, a, that's more of a thing, I think, in Chicago compared to Milwaukee. But from my background, all my great grandparents from my understanding were from Holland, and then they did business together, went to the church together, went to the school together, all those things. And so I'm hundred percent Dutch, blonde hair, blue eyes, six seven. And I remember I remember my first day with my wife. It was a very Chicago thing to do to, Oh, what are you? Are you Polish? You know, what's your ancestry? And people very proudly would say, I'm Lithuanian or I'm this or that. And she said, I'm American. And I, well, I mean, but what's your background? And she, she was Jennifer Smith from Southern Illinois, daughter of the American Revolution. And she wasn't used to all this ethnic talk as far as your background. I'm Jennifer Smith, daughter of the American Revolution. My family's been here forever. What are you talking about? And I, so it's just funny how my kids now are catch. they're getting older when my kids ask about it are we Dutch? And my wife, well, you're 50% Dutch, you know.
1: You mentioned it's a Chicago thing because you originally were from the southwest side of Chicago.
0: Yeah, I grew up in the southwest side of Chicago, then went to community college, southwest side of Chicago. I was the first man in my family to go to college. My father was a garbage man. My mom was a nurse. And so very hardworking, middle-class family, great family. I got three siblings, great parents, hardworking, great family, But I went to community college, Southside Chicago, because that's what I could afford. That's what I was ready for. And then got recruited for basketball to Lakeland in Sheboygan.
1: And that's how you ended up in Wisconsin.
0: So then I ended up in Wisconsin because I graduated from Lakeland with an accounting degree. And what happened was in 2000 or 98, they changed the law in Wisconsin that CPAs needed to have 150 credit hours. So they made it from a four-year program to a five-year program. I remember arriving at Lakeland and my counselor said, oh, you're going to graduate spring of 2002. I said, no, I'm going to graduate college in four years. And he said, well, they just changed the law. You now need five years of college. we just told you about my family and I was paying for my own school. And I said, I don't have the money for that. That's... $40,000 more for school, and it's $50,000 a year in lost income. That that law is a $90,000 mistake. So I graduated. I just took a lot of classes that fall. I took a significant amount of classes the spring and the summer and the fall, and I graduated 24 hours before that law went into effect, December 30, 2000. And so what happened was there was no accounting graduates that year, because if you take a major and make it from a four-year major or five-year major, all of a sudden you have no graduates that year. So I was able to get into a large firm from a smaller school because that how that works out. And so I got into a great firm here in Milwaukee called KPMG. I remember going to KPMG and saying, well, how long till I can move to another city? And I'm thinking I want to move to a cool city. And you
1: didn't think Milwaukee was cool?
0: I did not strike me as the place I wanted to build a career. And I'm not kidding you, 48 hours into that. I said to myself, I am not going anywhere. I love this city. It was Summerfest and Water Street and just going for runs on the lake. And I also very quickly, and I was just talking to Jim Pop about this, the CEO of Johnson Bank. And he's also originally from Chicago. And we were just talking about how in this city, nearly anyone you could reach out to and have a conversation with, and they treat you like a peer. They're nice to you. There doesn't seem to be in this transactional nature. And I remember guys like Rich Muson were a good example of that. This former CEO of Badger Meter who you reach out to him. Oh yeah, let's meet up. Let's grab a, you know, grab a beer, a coffee. I'd love to meet, blah, blah. And I don't know if it's size or personality. I think it's both. But cities like Chicago, for someone who came from a working class, middle class family, like myself, just to call up a CEO of a Chicago based business was, who's this kid? Like, well, who are you? I mean, if you're not a member of the country club or something, how do you have access? And Milwaukee has more to do on this, especially when you talk about across racial lines. But generally speaking, if you are a young professional and you want to network your way to meet interesting people and see different things and have different opportunities. Milwaukee is a much much better city for that than cities on the coast or larger cities in the West.
1: Coming up on WTMJ Conversations.
0: My roommate woke up and I remember looking at him and saying, America's under attack.
1: Dale Koinga talks about a day that changed the direction of his life and so many others.
0: You're listening to WTMJ Conversations.
1: Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with the new president of the MMAC, Dale Coinga. Something happened that you and your siblings all decided to enlist in the Army.
0: Just moved to Milwaukee, September 2001 all set to go in my new apartment on the east side. We were at Maryland Locust, a block and a half away from the campus there. And when we waking up, saw that a plane hit the World Trade Center. Wow, that's crazy, a plane hit the World Trade Center. And I saw a second plane hit the World Trade Center. And then it was that eerie silence that everyone knows America's under attack. And I remember my roommate woke up and he looked at me and I was watching TV and I remember looking at him and saying, America's under attack. And when it came out of my mouth, it hit my ears and it sounded as if I was a drama queen. (laughs) You know, like, what do you mean America's under attack? And that's exactly what he said. What, America's under attack? And I said, literally, America's under attack. And saw the, you know, plane hit the Pentagon and the fourth plane go down in Pennsylvania. And I just remember the silence and the eeriness of that day. My mom calls and I'm having a conversation with my mom that day and she says, all three of my boys are going to go off to war. I have a sister and there's three boys. And I said, We're not going off to war. I mean, Daniel's on high school. He was, uh, I think, a sophomore in high school then. Russell's in college. Don't pull kids out of college. Even during the big wars, they didn't pull pull people out of college. It was always a safe place to be. And I'm an accountant. They don't send accountants off to fight wars. That's a losing proposition. Well, mom's always right. And when we were younger boys, I don't know if it was Saving Private Ryan or Legends of the Fall. One of those movies where all the brothers serve together. But... We made this little boy pact that was ever a war. We'd do it together. And mom's always right. My youngest brother got out to print the waiver. Shortly after that, he went to basic and then eventually ended up in Iraq. And a couple of years after that, my other brother said, hey, I'm graduating college. I'm gonna join the special forces program in the army. And it's a longer story as far as how I got into it, but I was working with this girl and so well, what do you wanna do? Do you wanna stay here as a partner, go troller or CFO somewhere? And I said to her, I actually can't stop thinking about joining the US army. And she goes, well, why don't you do it? I said, well, make my mom nervous, all three boys, would slow down my career. I just gave her a bunch of reasons it wouldn't work out for me, although I couldn't stop thinking about it. And she said, well, that's a great way to go through life is really want to do something and never doing it. So I drove from that conversation with a random colleague to the Army recruiting station in Milwaukee. I said, sign me up. We have the most need. Signed up for the Army. And that girl, two weeks later, emailed me and said, how's it going? How's it going? And I was a single guy and a pretty girl was, hey, how's it going? And I said, hey, I joined the Army. And she said, well, you did what? <laughs> I like, I joined the Army in part based on our conversation. <laughs> she said, just, you just did it? I'm like, I did it? I'm going to leave for basic training. Can I get a date? No, you cannot get a date. <laughs> and then her friend's were like, well, the guy joined the Army in a time of war in part because you said that's a great way to go through life is you really want to do something never doing it. You should at least go on a date with them. And today's my wife. She's my wife today. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> It still so worked out.
0: Yeah, I'm still in the army. I've been in for nineteen years now. When I have those drill weekends and she has all the kids and she's doing a hero mom status, which she does all the time. I just you know, you're the one that Pull me into this world. Well, so.
1: you're a lieutenant colonel too. Yes. Thank you for your service, but I the way.
0: enjoy it most days. Not every day, but I enjoy it most days.
1: This is interesting because you are a CPA. You've been a CFO for a number of companies. You were elected to the state assembly. You served as a state senator. You're still active reserve in the United States Army. That is an impressive resume because you're only 43 years old. 44. Forty-four.
0: But if you want to go down, that's okay. Happy
1: birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess a lot of people are wondering, in that short of time to have that many accomplishments, and you could have been reelected. Why did you step down? Why did you decide not to stay in the state senate?
0: Yeah, well, I think the legislature and any public service should be public service. It shouldn't be a separate political class. And after 12 years of public service, I gave a lot of thought. And some of that thought was helped by the redistricting process. I was actually gerrymandered out. And then there was a series of court rulings and I was put back in. But in that process, a lot of prayer as far as, God, what do you want me? where can I be useful. It was a lot of discussions with my wife as far as what made sense. And there's also just this underlying feeling that I did my state service Nobody, whether it be a elected democratic legitimate leader or a totalitarian dictator, has ever, ever left government in any position saying, well, I've accomplished everything I've wanted to accomplish. It's just, you're not going to bring utopia back on earth. And so for me, it was, I did my public service and it's time to do something else. And when I started the interview process after making that decision, it became very clear that there was a lot of opportunities out there that I never thought of that were very accustomed to my experiences and my background and started getting really excited about that so it's so funny to think where I'm at today and where I was at two years ago because I just didn't know where all these different careers were leading and now that I'm going I am in the presidency of MMAC um working at a chamber and using that army leadership and how to build teams and how to solve problems and knowing public policy, mostly at the state level, but also through those relationships, understanding federal policy and local policy, and then also just being in the business world and being in public accounting for 10 years across different industries and being a CFO is where does that all lead you? And where does it lead you? The president of the Chamber of Commerce. And so I just love connecting people. I love creating an environment that's open to work and relationships. And that's exactly where I ended up. And so it's uh, I'm, I'm, I enjoy my time in public service, but I'm glad I've moved on. Was
1: this part of the plan? Did no. you intend to come to MMAC?
0: No, actually it was not part of the plan. In fact, when I decided to move on, I was interviewing for some other positions and already had in my head what my life looked like post-public service. And so when Austin Ramirez called me up and said, Hey, Tim Sheehy's not going to be there forever. Would you be interested in going through an interview process to move, we create a position there? And then if all things worked out, you would be a leading candidate for that position in the future when it came up. And I said, No, I'm good. And <laughs> I remember that evening I woke up and I almost woke up in a sweat. And I said, That's the perfect job. That's exactly, it's just, it's, it's everything. Uh, It's, it's public policy. It's connecting people. It's bringing people together. It's politics, but it's more policy. And it's more like bringing adults in the room together versus the tribal crap we see on cable TV going back and forth. I just woke up, and so I hit <laughs> 7 a.m. I called Austin Ramirez back. I said, can I get a tape back?
1: Coming up on WTMJ Conversations.
0: And she said, you operate in that seat with which you bring to the table. You don't try to follow someone else's shoes.
1: Dale Coinga talks about those wooden shoes and if they're easy to fill.
0: Now, more of WTMJ Conversations.
1: Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Dale Coinga. That's got to be somewhat daunting, taking a position where somebody's been there for three decades.
0: It is and it isn't. It is in the sense that Tim has been there for 31 years as CEO. He's been there for nearly 40 years in some capacity. And one of the things that Tim has said, which really stuck with me, is always need to have your butt for, your value proposition. And so when you look at MMAC, the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce, What's our but for? And I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this with, it's always a team aspect. There's always other folks alongside us that helps accomplish these things. But there's a convincing case that you could say, but for MMAC, we would not have the Brewers. But for MMAC, we would not have the Bucks. But for MMAC, we would not have school choice. It was in Milwaukee that the first school choice program in the entire nation was created and then expanded in Milwaukee then expanded to Racine and expanded statewide. And now... That 1991 concept from Milton Friedman that was in a book called Free to Choose that actually has been implemented because MMAC stood up with leaders like Howard Fuller and courageous legislators at the time, that has now become a nationwide phenomenon that allows parents to put their kids in schools that best match their principles, you know, whether that be a Jewish community or a Christian community or whatever, it best matches their principles and their academic standards. And it's been a game changer for many families across this country so and I could go on to all the but fours MAC. so it is intimidating to look at what MAC's has accomplished and what that bar is and everything they've done under Tim's leadership but I've got this advice now a couple times in my career the first time was from Leah Vukmir who got this advice from Scott Walker and that was I was talking about taking over her assembly seat and I said oh I got big shoes to fill which is something that people say all the time about positions and she actually in very Leah Vukmir pointed fashion said don't say that. That's that's not the way it works. You go to the legislature and you bring your own shoes, your own experiences and your own fortes and you operate in that seat with what you bring to the table. You don't try to follow someone else's shoes. Be who you are take their mentorship. And that's exactly what Tim has done. He's been a great, great mentor. And he says consistently, this worked for me, this doesn't work for you, but times have changed and maybe you're different than myself and this worked for me, but maybe it won't work for you and vice versa. So there's a balance there. I always say, like, yeah, it's the shoes analogy, the big shoes to fill, but you bring your own dancing shoes. And there's some dance moves that nobody should do, (laughs) (laughs) right? But there's other dance moves that are your kind of thing. And so there's a balance there. And I think this last year has given me a great background to do that balance.
1: And in your case, you brought, wouldn't Choose.
0: wouldn't choose right right
1: <laughs> okay so so looking at where you came from very strong religious Dutch background of your family very close family being in the military your experience of course in business being a CPA what does that bring to your leadership of the MMAc how do you plan to go forward
0: there's a lot of different aspects there I mean it's a complex world and so when I look at the different experiences I've had, let me just kind of back up for a minute, because I talked to a lot of young people about their careers. And we you're talking to young people about their careers, there's different directions you could go. The first direction is you could graduate Brookfield East, and then you could go to Wisconsin and study biology. And then you decide you want to become a doctor, and you go to University of Illinois, and you become a doctor. And then you decide, well, I want to be a pediatrician doctor. And then you decide, I want to be a pediatrician doctor who studies neurology and then I want to be a neurology brain and you could drill down, drill down, drill down, drill down. And then all of a sudden you find yourself is I'm the national expert on pediatric brain cancers of this type, right? You drill down, down, down. My career is a bunch of venn diagrams together so i got a military career and there's a lot of colonels there's a lot of people who have combat experience in the army military intelligence civil affairs officers there's a lot of cpas out there there's a good amount of people with public service experience but i'm pretty sure i'm the only one in the nation that is a cpa with a lieutenant colonel in the u.s army who has public policy experience. There's no one like me. And that's because not because I've been brilliant in any part of my career. I've been just working hard and present and doing the right thing. But it's created this Venn diagram where all of a sudden you're the only one. So when you take those experiences and you look at our community, I think you can look at our community and say, what makes Milwaukee unique? What makes us a place in the world like no other? And how do we make the most of those experiences who are we and how do we tell the world who we are and that's our job is to tell that story and it's our job to tell that story to the largest corporations around the world and say microsoft you need to invest here and here's why it's also a story we want to tell to our high schoolers here's who we are you need to figure out what your career path is whether it be the brain surgery and pediatrician, or is it was better to be the best freaking machinist because you went to MATC or WCTC and you're the best machinist, and you're the best at plastic injection molding medical equipment technology, and you're the person who does that, or if you're just gonna have a bunch of experiences. And taking those experiences, I mean, I think one of the things I keep thinking about is one of MMAC's legacies is education, and one of the things we wanna to continue to really, really focus on education because it's critical for our economy, and it's also just the right thing to do. And when we look at education, I have a friend in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he gave me this, and I really, really love the concept, and it is the three E's, that every single senior high school student needs to either be enrolled in some sort of school after high school, or enlisted, Military, Peace Corps, whatever you want Enrolled, enlisted, or employed With meaningful employment that sets them somewhere You just cannot have a plan that's outside of those three E's And so I think all my experiences Put me in a position that as a community And knowing the different organizations And knowing all the people that are part of this community Is being someone that can create programs, events And connections and say There's a whole wide world out here Here's how Milwaukee plugs into this world And here's how our young people can get excited About plugging into this world
1: Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations
0: To this day, you think of those pictures of the Chicago police and the batons and those horrific pictures.
1: What's a bigger headache? Finding rooms for all those RNC delegates or the security that's needed to keep everyone safe?
0: listening to WTMJ Conversations.
1: And I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is the new president of the MMAC, Deo Coinga. We've got something exciting coming up next summer, and that's the RNC. And of course, you were a Republican. You've got to be probably more excited about it than other people in your position.
0: Well, I'm excited about it for many different reasons. I mean, whether it be the Democrats, the Republicans, or the Libertarians, or whoever it is, if you want to come to Milwaukee and you want to spend money here and you want to give us an opportunity to show how great our city is, we are all on board. And that's why MMAC, along with many others, once again, especially Visit Milwaukee, has led on getting the RNC here. And kudos to our dynamic leadership in Milwaukee, Kevlar Johnson, who got him here and really went out of his way to make the pitch. But yeah, I'm very excited about it. It should be very, very interesting. It's definitely going to get plenty of news. but. Our point from an MAC perspective is to take the opportunity that all those cameras are there and the radio stations are there and all the media we're going to get. And we're going to work relentlessly with our partners to tell the Milwaukee story as far as what's going on in this region, how exciting it is, and why people should live here and invest here.
1: Well, Chris, the commerce part of it is exciting, but you've got an interesting background as well because you've been in the military for 19 years. You've worked military intelligence. What do you think is more challenging? Is it finding places for people to stay and things to do? Or is it the security?
0: Well, it depends who you ask. If you ask the FBI and you ask the marshals and the police services, they're going to say security and their answer should be security because that's their primary objective and that's their role. If you're talking to the Visit Milwaukee folks and talking to the Marcuses and the hotel folks, they're going to say, well, it's going to be lodging because that's what they do. And that should be their number one. And if you have police more worried about lodging and you have the lodging people more worried about security, it's all messed up. (laughs) So it's a coordinated effort. Going back to what a community is, is no one person is more important in this process than the other. Everyone comes with their unique and distinct roles to pull this event off. But the fact that everyone has a pleasant experience and they walk away from Milwaukee saying this place is really the place you want to be. This is one of the great held secrets as far as what this region has to offer. But if the security incident happens, if you have 64 in Chicago, 68, if you have those types of pictures of to this day, you think politics, you think Chicago, you think of those pictures of the Chicago police police and the batons and those horrific pictures. So I know there's a lot of thought being given to that. We at MMAC have been lobbying at the federal level to increase the security amount of money from $50 million to $75 million to make sure we have all the resources we need. But it's all very important.
1: Do you think they're going to get it?
0: I think so. We have broad bipartisan support. It's being led by Congressman Style, but also Congressman Gwen Moore is very supportive, and the entire delegation is supportive of increasing that amount, which has not been increased for a couple decades, but the costs have increased. And arguably the security situation has become more acute as we have more radical elements in both sides of the party. We have foreign enemies that would love to embarrass America by having disruptions in that process. So there's some real threats there that need to be addressed that can be addressed. Nothing for the common citizen to worry about because we have the right professionals doing their jobs, but those right professionals doing their jobs and the equipment they're Requires. It's getting more expensive, like everything is, and you don't want to go cheap on security.
1: Coming up on WTMJ Conversations.
0: There's an interconnectedness there, and you can't have a great Ozaukee without a Milwaukee, and you can't have a great Milwaukee without a great Ozaukee. It's a healthy relationship.
1: The new president of the MMAC, Dale Koinga, talks about balancing the needs of all of the counties throughout southeastern Wisconsin.
0: You're listening to WTMJ
1: Conversations. And I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is Dale Koinga, the new president of the MMAC. MMAC isn't just Milwaukee. You cover four counties. How do you balance all of that?
0: I think we more have a seven-county approach. I mean, we're not very strict on four counties around Milwaukee. We have M7. So M7 is our economic development arm. And so what they are really focused on is corporate attraction. And so that's the seven-county region. If you have been driving down to Illinois lately, you'll see the big hair brawl candy factory. That's it's
1: bigger than it used to be.
0: <laughs> it's bigger than it used to be. And that was M7, who had frequent trips to Germany to recruit and bring them here. And in very short duration, we will have the largest candy factory in the Americas. That's right here. And we brought that here. Microsoft is making a significant, significant investment in our region. It's very exciting And that was M7. So that's the economic development. We do the seven-county region. We are the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce. And one of the points of this job is to make sure that we see ourselves as a region because we're stronger as a region. And so we have members all around those seven-county regions. But we also have a statewide presence. We have a very successful health insurance plan. Um, that is especially tuned for businesses between two and 200 employees, and that's statewide. We have a group called the Food and Beverage Group, which really focuses on marketing and taking advantage of our strength in the food and beverage industry. And so that's part of MMAC, and that's a statewide effort as well. So it depends on what part of MMAC you're looking at, but we have parts of our business that are statewide. We have parts that are the seven county region.
1: How do you balance, though, the needs of the city of Milwaukee? With a lot of these outlying counties, obviously the people of Ozaki County don't necessarily have the same interests of the people of Milwaukee County and vice versa.
0: Well, they don't have the same needs, but they have the same interconnectedness as far as dependency, and they can't do without each other. So people in Ozaki County are going to have a very, very hard time recruiting top-tier talent at the young people, senior executives, if they don't have an arts community, major league sports all the amenities and cultural experiences and great dining that Milwaukee has. Like, they're just not going to be able to do it because then, not to pick any sort of part of the country, but then they're Wichita. You just don't have that. And then on the flip side is Milwaukee needs those outlying regions because one of the things that people really, really care about now when they're moving is they want outdoors. They want, they have beautiful lakes. They want to have hiking paths. They want to get away from the city as well and sometimes get to that quaint little coffee shop that's more in Ozaukee County. People want, they don't want, monolithic experience. They don't want single type of experiences. They want a community where they could go in parts of that community, and have different experiences and different talent. And there's a beautiful diversity within that community as well. And that diversity is good for our economy because it brings different ideas and creativities and skill sets, which makes our products and our service industry great and, and attractive. So there's an interconnectedness there. And you can't have a great Ozaki without a Milwaukee. And you can't have a great Milwaukee without a great Ozaki. It's a healthy relationship.
1: Go back to the butt for But for the MMAC, there wouldn't be the Bucks, there wouldn't be the Brewers, but there is a lot going on with AmFam Field. And as far as tax money going to keep the Brewers here, there's conversation about should the area around AmFam be turned into more of a Deer District style? How does MMAC feel about all this?
0: Well, MMAC, we really believe, based on our polling data, that the general public really wants to see the Brewers stay here. There is no market that's has small smallest Milwaukee that has a major league baseball team. So if we lose them, they're gone. And if we lose them, we're going to have one giant steel rust bucket that sits there on our freeway for decades to come. So it's a stadium that's owned by the taxpayers. We need this to attract talent. It's a family experience that's affordable. And quite frankly, it's a great story to tell about how great our community is. Think about this. There are markets that are three times as large as the Milwaukee market and their baseball team gets one third of the attendance. We are a community that likes to do things and go out and be with each other and sports is a big part of that experience. And so there's a compelling business case for the brewers to stay here on a standalone basis. But it would be foolish for Wisconsin not to look at the amount of income taxes they get from those players and from all the sales tax from experiences and accounting for the fact that we're going to have a liability of an asset that we own that's going to deteriorate if no one's playing there. And all that comes together is you could quantify that and you could do what every other region does and say, hey, we're going to give a little bit of that back in order to maintain the sports presence here.
1: Do you think that Milwaukee should try to attract any other teams than what we currently have?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we should put a sales pitch in, but just. Recently, was announced that we're going to get a professional soccer team. The fastest-growing part of our population in the seven-county region is actually the Latino population, that disproportionately loves the game of soccer. But it's also a game that's growing among all demographics. And so, I think that soccer team will be a huge success. It's going to be just west of us here in the studio that we're sitting in, and there's a lot of excitement here. I think it's going to be a great project. Just talk sometimes about the hockey team. The Milwaukee Admirals are outstanding and a great experience. Some people talk about, oh, we a professional hockey team. I don't know if that would have legs or not, if it was something that people push from the community. From my perspective, I work for them. We have 85 board members that represent businesses. We have over 2,000 members. If those 2,000 members and 85 board members said, hey, it's really important for us to have a professional hockey team, then we would go out there and start making the pitch and see what we can do. That hasn't happened. And as of right now, we're really, really happy with the Admirals and the other sports that we have here. And we get to see a soccer team coming
1: Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations.
0: What can we get done through the political process through advocacy efforts?
1: Does Dale Coingook plan to ever return to politics?
0: Now, more of WTMJ Conversations.
1: I'm Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with the new president of the MMAC. Dale Koinga, 85 board members. Your leadership skills that you've learned in the military must come in really handy when you're dealing with that many personalities.
0: The military training has served me well in my career across everything from business to politics to even being a father, just those elements of integrity and leadership. I can't communicate how impactful the military has been in my life as far as the opportunity to serve and the responsibility that comes with that and having that american flag on your right patch and just a sense of as a leader your actions have significant consequences and obviously in that context as a leader your actions have such consequences as literally life or death or security of the nation and that same type of leadership that same type of responsibility and how to connect with people how to lead people can cut across all different industries and gives you perspective. I will also say this, as I go into my post-political life, is what I also love about the military is, and, and they're not perfect, they're not perfect, but generally speaking, the military has been decades ahead of the rest of the country on race relations. They have been a great place as far as a lot of the aspects that make America great in a sense of, I always say, if you saw a black man in a Russian uniform, you'd be like, what the heck? There's a black guy in a Russian uniform. You just don't see that. Or if you saw a white person in a Chinese uniform, like what the heck? There's no way an American looks in uniform. You say, well, that's not, that's that, that can't be an American soldier. The beauty of our country is part of our diversity. It's representing the military. The military is a part of our country where everyone's working together. It's a lot of people with high ethics, with high integrity, different backgrounds. And that type of experience is very, very helpful in a community that's very diverse. And the MMAC region that we cover has places that are deep, deep, deep blue areas, primarily in Milwaukee, places that we're seeing, and we have deep, deep red areas, you know? And so what we're gonna do is what we have done, and that is we are going to find the adults in the room And both parties have adults and both parties have folks that are not adults. And we're going to find the adults in the room and we'll put those adults in a room together and we're going to solve problems. And we've done that and we talk about it if you want. We've done that and that's what we will do.
1: I'm going to go back to your Venn diagram where you said there's really nobody else out there with the number of experiences that you've had, being in the military, working as a CPA, being in politics. I have to ask you this question. As I look back at your resume... You've never stayed in anything for a long, long time. You seem to move around a lot. And your predecessor was in for 30 years. Do you really think you're going to be at the MMAC as long as he was?
0: Well, 31 years would put me at 75, so... I think I'm aging well, but I don't know if I want to be in the job at 75. But my point is is that I've never done a job for less than 10 years. So I was at KPMG for 10 years. I was in public office for 12 years. I did the consulting business for 12 years. I've been in the Army for 19 years. So even though I've had all those experiences, staying with the same institutions has given me those experiences within those institutions. So I didn't get those experiences by being a job hopper. Um, I got those experiences by simultaneously go down on different tracks. So we talked earlier about the three E's, enlist. you could be enlisted, you could be employed, or you could be enrolled. Well, for most of my life, I've been enlisted, employed, and enrolled all the same time, right? And to this day, I still have, people don't realize when you're an army officer, you're almost consistently in school. And so right now I'm in command, I have two hundred. You went s- to war college? Yeah, the Army War College, yeah. And so, well, the Army War College is coming up. I went to the Command and Staff College and a bunch of other schools. It's kind of complicated, but that kind of all rolls up in the Army War College. And so the next step for me will be the Army War College. Which
1: means you can be promoted Colonel.
0: You're jumping the gun. We don't know what's going to happen. If you
1: go to War College, college, that's the next We'll see what
0: happens. We'll see. My point is, is that there's a schooling always part of that career. And it's not formal education in this career, but if you're not reading, you are not going to last long in this job. So you got to be not working, you got to meet people and talk to people. But you also need to be reading those public policy forums. You better be reading the comprehensive financial report of the city. You better be reading the bills. Like you better be reading the New York Times and Wall Street Journal every day and the Journal Center. Like you better be reading these papers and getting an education. So my point is, you got to read all of them. But your original question, am I going to be here for a couple of years? No, I'm going to be here for a long time. And so get used to me, love it or hate it.
1: All right. So with that Venn diagram. Of all of this experience that you have, and now adding to the resume of being president of the MMAC, do you ever see yourself being drawn back to politics? I mean, it sounds like you'd be a good governor.
0: Um, No, I'm very happy where I'm at, and politics is not crossing my mind, other than what can we get done through the political process through uh, advocacy efforts. But no, it's not. The Coinga family is very happy in our post-political life. Dale, thank you.
1: Thank you. We've been talking with Dale Koinga, the new president of the MMAC. We found out a lot about how he grew up, some of the things that influenced him through his life, and how it all comes together to help his leadership position. Now, if you joined us late and you want to hear our entire conversation with Dale, go to WTMJ.com and please share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Libby Collins.